This is Rabbi Lazar Gurkov from Congregation Beth Tefillah in London, Ontario. Today's Dvar Torah is about Purim. Every Jewish holiday has, unique, has a unique method of celebration. Hanukkah is, celebrating with, Hanukkah is celebrated with the kindling of eight lights. Pesach is celebrated with a special diet that requires us to eat matzah and prohibits the use of chametz. Shavuos is observed through the study of Torah throughout the night and the reading of the Ten Commandments. Each of these observances follow logically from the nature of the holiday itself. Hanukkah commemorates a miracle that allowed Jews in the ancient temple to kindle their menorah for eight days, though they had enough oil to last for only one. Pesach commemorates the exodus of, our ancient, uh, of the ancient Jews from Egypt. They left in great haste and couldn't wait to let their dough rise, so they ate their bread unleavened. Shavuos commemorates God's deliverance of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. Purim, however, remains an anomaly. To celebrate Purim, Jews dress up in masquerade and make a point of concealing their face. For a religion filled with sobriety, there's a great deal of levity associated with this Halloween-like practice. A question not often asked is, what is the source of this custom? Our answer brings us to the story of Purim itself. Jews lived in Persia and held respectable positions in government, commerce, and academia. They were very comfortable in their new land. They had, a, they had successfully integrated with the Persian people and had almost completely assimilated into the Persian culture. The highlight, the highlight of this Jew-Gentile amalgamation came at a royal feast hosted by King Ahasuerus. Jews were there accepted as equals during this feast and were gratified to have received such hospitality in a foreign land. Gratified to the point of absolutely turning their backs on their own religion and traditions. The meteoric rise of the infamous Haman followed this feast, and it was Haman who planted the seed of anti-Semitic hatred in the heart of the king. Within several weeks, Ahasuerus decreed the annihilation of the entire Jewish population under his kingdom. Taking into account that Persia was a superpower at that time, this threatened the very future of Jewish existence worldwide. At this point, Jews turned to God. They prayed, they fasted, they gathered their children and taught them to return to the fold. Alas, it was to no avail. This time there were no miracles, such as the plagues that struck Egypt. This time walls did not tumble to the ground as they did when Jews entered Yericho. Lightning didn't strike, thunder didn't crack. The Jewish execution day drew inexorably closer. What were the Jews to do at this time? Place yourself in their shoes and imagine their terror. All traditional avenues seemed to have dried up. Neither their prayers nor fast, their penitence, stood them in good stead. Unbeknownst to them, this was a blessing in disguise, for the time had finally arrived for Jews to learn the art of diplomacy. The time had come for Jews to fend for themselves under the providence of God. Yes, God seemed to be saying to his people, I am ready to help you, but this time I want you to do some of the work yourself. It's time to stand up and take responsibility. If you own up to the problem, you will find your own solution. Salvation came through the personage of Esther. The story of Esther is shrouded in Jewish legend and in Persian myth. She is purported to have been a cousin of Mordechai, who was the leading Jewish sage of his time. Her charm was captivating, her beauty legendary, yet she remained steadfast in her piety and observance. When Ahasuerus ordered the maidens of Persia to participate in a royal beauty pageant, Esther was dragged into the palace and paraded before the king against her will. On the advice of her illustrious cousin, she kept the nature of her Jewish faith a secret. Oblivious to, oblivious to the fact that she was Jewish and absolutely smitten by her beauty, Ahasuerus fell in love. 
Against her will, Esther was married to the king. When the Jewish execution was written into law, Mordechai approached his cousin and pleaded for her help. He asked her to reveal the secret of her religion to Ahasuerus and plead with him to repeal the law. Though the revelation of her secret placed her in mortal danger, Esther succeeded in repealing the law. Thus did the salvation of the Jewish people come about, though the hand of God was barely visible. In breach with history, Jewish salvation took on a diplomatic instead of miraculous role. This was God's way of saying to his people, I am here for you not only when you see me, but even when you don't. At times I am hiding, but I am still working behind the scenes. All I ask is that you make an effort, and I will ensure your success. So we now understand the peculiar Jewish custom of masquerading on Purim and concealing the face. Jews conceal their faces in memorial to a God who concealed his face during the salvation of Purim. It is a testimonial to God's presence and his willingness to help, despite his apparent lack of presence. It is an inspiring lesson for everyone at every time. Even if your suffering is so severe that you see no avenue but despair, still retain your faith and do not despair. You may not see God, but he awaits you just behind the curtain with your salvation in hand. All he wants from us, just a little effort, and also a little recognition that he exists. Happy Porn.